Welcome everyone, I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana. And we're here at 318 Latino Studios for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. And we have a super special guest today, it's Betsy Bose. Betsy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Betsy, we're gonna just go ahead and jump in. Um, in my opinion, you are one of our great local success stories. <laughs> Graduating from Bird High School, mm -hmm. you went on to become, to name but a couple of the prestigious positions you've held, the president of the College of the Bahamas mm -hmm. and CEO and dean of Kent State University at Stark. Mm -hmm. Through our discussion today, I want to learn about you, but I also want to lean on you to get your perspective on a number of things shreveport Bozier related. So let's start today with a fun fact that most people <laughs> probably don't know. In 1970, you were responsible for the first recorded flying of the Earth Day flag. Tell me about this. Well, that, is, that is correct. Um, Earth Day had been created the year before, and there was a logo for it, but it was a two-dimensional logo, like a sticker or something. Uh, but there was never an actual three-dimensional flag. And so a friend pointed that out to me, and I'd already been into environmental things back way before that was cool. And he said, you know, you know how to sew. And it's like, sure. So I, I sewed a very primitive Earth Day flag and wanted to fly it in front of Bird for Earth Day. And the principal told me that was not allowed, that in Louisiana we could only fly the U.S. flag and the state flag in front of public buildings and that I would need to take that up with the legislature. So I wrote letters and talked to the governor and got permission to fly my little flag. And um, yeah, it's the first, first time that anybody knows of that it was uh, ever flown or created. And I came across an article. I think uh, you still have the flag. I do. It was in my grand, my mother's attic all these years, uh, folded up neatly in, in the cedar chest away from insects and stuff. So for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, uh, during the pandemic, we uh, we worked with Bird and flew it again and let it let it come out and symbolize. So. And I saw this amazing photo, I guess, from you at Bird back in the day, along with Jimmy Watson, who was, I guess, a sports reporter at Bird at the time and mm -hmm. is still with the Times today. Yes. Yeah, we both were in the journalism class together and worked on the Bird High Life. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. So as I said, I, I want to lean on you for your perspective as someone who's lived. So my question is, as someone who has lived in eight countries, is that right still? At, at least, yeah. At least, <laughs> at least eight countries. Um, in your opinion, what do you think is holding us back from becoming one of the next great medium-sized cities in America? That's a complicated question, obviously, and the Community Foundation does a, a survey every year comparing us with similar-sized cities in the South, usually, and we don't fare very well. Um, we can point to education that, you know, without education, people don't have hope. And so I think a lot of our, our crime and our unemployment and stuff ties back to um, people not graduating from high school, not going on to college, and even not having broadband internet. 
Um, I work with Shreve Memorial Library, and one of the things the foundation there has done is to help get broadband internet to neighborhoods where people don't have it. Because imagine trying to do your homework nowadays without that. That, you know, yes, we used to have a world book encyclopedia and a world almanac and an unabridged dictionary and stuff, but nowadays, you know, you tap on your phone and it's all there. But even your assignments are there and your grades are there and you can turn it in on internet. And if you don't have that, you're, you're way behind the curve. So, you know, I think if we can get broadband internet for everyone, if we can keep kids in school and give them a first-rate education, then they'll at least have hope for good jobs and a future. When you don't, that's when you get people that are going to turn to violence and gangs and, and the things that we don't want in Shreveport. They don't think they're going to live past 20 or 30 anyway, so what do they have to live for? You know, let's, let's live now and live dangerously. Yeah. No, I, I never even thought about that, about um, the broadband and I mean, I know the digital divide, mm -hmm. so it yeah. uh, makes total sense. Yeah. And just on the flip side of that, what, what gives you hope, you know, just as you look around as someone who's seen so much and been in so many different places around the world, what gives you hope as you look in 2024 at this community that we're headed in the right direction? We've got a lot of good young people, and I think our trick is going to be to keep them, that um, our best and our brightest tend to leave Shreveport, and the more of them that we can recruit home, the better our community will be. I know when I graduated from high school, um, I couldn't wait to get out of here and had no intention of ever coming back. And I actually came back twice. I came back in the 80s to uh, my first full-time teaching position. Uh, after my PhD and taught at Centenary and stayed there seven years, long enough to earn tenure, uh, and then left again for a job opportunity and then came back here again. Um, gosh, it's been almost 10 years now. Um, and so, you know, I love it and I think most of the people here do, but we've got to keep them. So I think the arts scene is something else that is um, certainly happening in Shreveport and is hopeful for the community that, you know, there's, there's a lot going on here, um, more than I can personally do. And so, you know, I, I enjoy the Robinson and the symphony and the opera, and there's a lot of good things here. Um, that can't turn a community around by itself, though. The facilities that arts take usually are the lower rent places that um, it's great that they're filling up downtown, but that's not going to bring in a lot of revenue for downtown. But I am very excited that the arts are, are thriving here. It's funny, it's funny you said some of that. So uh, <laughs> my next question is not terribly different from my second question, but if someone came to you and said, you can have any three new additions to the Shreveport Bossier community if your children and any children they may have will commit to stay and live in Shreveport Bossier. What would those three additions or changes be? Three changes I could make? Or just, you don't have to make, I mean, you can just wish them to happen. Oh, three, okay. three changes or three additions to this community uh, if, 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 if your kids and, and, and their kids commit to staying in this community, uh, you could have any three additions or changes. What would they be? Wow. Um, I would want, in fact, require a safer community that um, I live in South Highlands and I hear gunshots almost every night. And 
you know, we have the web page and people will be looking and go, okay, where were the gunshots really? You know, it sounded like Betty Virginia Park, but it was actually over I-49 or something. And the number of, of random killings and the number of uh, shootings and things for a, a community of this size uh, is frightening. And so if I were to, you know, commit my children and grandchildren to stay here, uh, that would be certainly one of them. Um, I have no interest in getting into city or parish government, but I think we have a problem with having one of the highest taxes, tax rates in the country, and very little to show for it, that our roads are not good, our sewage is not good, our water system is not good, our literacy level is not good, so we're paying the highest taxes and, and not getting what appears to be a lot of value for our, for our tax rate. So that would be our second one, and that's that's a big one. Um, what would be my third? That's a tough one. Um, I guess better schools that um, we don't have. We've got a few private schools, but in terms of, of public schools, there are not a lot. There are not enough, and um, I would. You know, being in education all my life, I would I would want a first rate education for my children, grandchildren, and beyond. Yeah, I think those are all great additions, <laughs> and um, I think most people would agree with you. Well, they're, they're pretty, you know, motherhood and apple pie. You know, <laughs> nothing <laughs> pretty, controversial pretty in any of those. Yeah. Right. All right. So, two major themes of our podcast, uh, and I was telling you, we published episode 90 this morning. Um, two major themes of this podcast are who are we as a community and trying to figure that out? And why do so many people in this community struggle with Shreveport Bossier as their city and home? Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear your perspective on both of these questions. So uh, my, my first question is simply, what is our identity in Shreveport Bossier, in your opinion? I'm not sure that we have a real strong identity, that um, it, it's not one that, you know, we wrap ourselves around and, you know, we're not New Orleans, we're not Houston with petroleum, we don't really have a, a one thing that comes to mind. Um, we have a river, but we don't build the riverfront to, to like San Antonio or other great cities. Um, and so I'm not sure what our identity is. You know, it used to be an oil town, but that's not really us anymore. Um, and so we're, we're services. We're casinos and hospitals and things like that. But I don't think we have um, something that we're all proud of. That's fascinating. Do you think that's problematic? I think it'd be better if we had a very positive identity, whatever that might be. That you know, again, we're not a manufacturing town. We're not. Um, I don't know what. What do you think our identity is? I don't. I, I agree. I mean, I think <laughs> we struggle with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, you know, part of the pursuit of this podcast is uh -huh. to to scratch that itch to mm -hmm. try and uncover maybe some potential answers to that question. Yeah, I mean, you know, could we be a tell a. a you know, a communications hub or a um, electronics hub, or you know, could we be something? But right now, you know, I really don't know what we are. And you know, I've been gone for a while. I, I spend a lot of my time here, over half my time. Um, but I, I have 
homes in other places and responsibilities in other cities. And so I'm in and out. So I'm, I'm not the strongest person to ask about current stuff in Shreveport, but um, I, I don't know how I would describe it when a friend asked me. And that's essentially what I'm asking mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So perfect. And then my final formal question for you is to what do you attribute the prevailing negative self-image we often find among the people who live here? Well, some of the same things I've talked about, that um, we don't have, we don't trust government, we don't have the government services that we would hope in the way we hope in terms of roads and water and sewage and schools and all of that. Um, the safety issue, the lack of good paying jobs for our graduates that would either, you know, re recruit back our college students that have gone away or keep our high school students that are, are going somewhere. Um, and so keeping our youth and recruiting youth here with good jobs, I think is, is going to be so important. And it's a city that people often aren't proud of. Um, like I was saying, when I was graduating, you know, get me out of here as soon as possible. And, um, you know, as an adult, there's a lot going on in Shreveport. There, you know, it's a nice family town and there are good things, but um, that doesn't, that's not a trade-off for good paying jobs and careers and things that will recruit and keep people. And when you were in, I'm just curious, um, in, in, when you were in high school and you had that feeling of just get me out of here as fast as I could, what was behind that? Like, what do you think was the motivation for you feeling that way or um, thinking that way? Wow. I guess I wanted, I wanted a bigger city that had more amenities. Um, I don't know that I could have verbalized it at that age, but Shreveport is a very conservative town. And my father was a history and government professor at Centenary and had lived abroad. And um, I don't consider myself liberal, but I, I am much more moderate than most of Shreveport. Um, and it was so interconnected that I value that now, that those friendships are the same people I knew in kindergarten and high school or still some of my best friends. But at that point in my life, I, I wanted to kind of break out and not go to college with all the same people that I'd grown up with and, and lived with. Now we have reunions. And so we had a few years ago, we called it, you know, Project Runaway. And about 30 of us that had all gone to everything together growing up. Some may have been at Shreve, some at Bird, some at St. Vincent's, but we all went to church together or we took ballroom dancing together or whatever it was, but we'd woven in and out of each other's lives. And the people like that, you know, you, you don't make those type of bonds as an adult. Um, but as a child, it was like, no, this is too much. I want to break out and start a, a new life where, you know, where I can be, be free and not have any of the baggage of hometown. Right. That's interesting. Project Runaway. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that in my life. Yeah. So I told you before we started, I would have a kind of set questions, but I would give you all the space in the world uh -huh. if there were things that you wanted to talk about or discuss. 
are there things I didn't hit that are important to you that you'd like to share? Sure. Talk yeah. about. Well, I think one of the one of the things that's important to me is the Paul and Betty McDonald Foundation. And this is named after my mother, Betty McDonald, who was also born and raised in Shreveport, uh, and her husband, Paul McDonald, um, my stepfather. And so we created a, a small family foundation, and I work closely with that. It's just the family, literally. Um, and we do a lot with health um, in terms of Feistweiler Cancer Center, Shriners Hospital. We created a program called CATS at the Glen that stands for Culture, Arts, Technology, and Science. And so it's a monthly lecture series there. Um, we do animal issues. We we grave the pharmacy for chimp haven and uh, we give to um, pet savers and things like that we do a lot with youth and with literacy um, a lot of things that are just our pet passions girl scouts and boy scouts and and you know many different organizations uh, and so that's that's one of my my big big pieces of my life right now and what's the best for someone listening today what's the best way for someone to gather more information about the Paul and Betty McDonald Foundation we're, we're going to be we've been doing it just almost ad hoc that you know organizations that either came to us or that we worked with or had a connection with and uh, or you know various things uh, we're going to a more formalized structure and we will be getting applications and I will um, I'll give a phone number that they can call to get one and that's 866 610774. Um, we're also going to try and work with Community Foundation to see if they can put, post that on their webpage and make it available either in person or through the webpage. Because uh, at this point, we don't have a, a webpage for the foundation itself that it is so small. But um, we, and we're looking for new, new things. And so we'd love to, to partner with people to get the word out on that, that they're not huge grants, but they, um, they can make a difference. And are you granting at a specific time every year? Are you granting on an ongoing basis? Mo it's mostly at the end of the year. We usually start looking at them in about October or November and try and do it for the end of the year. Uh, but we've already made one sizable contribution this year that was time sensitive and it needed to be completed by summer. So we made the contribution in January so they could be, be doing that. It was actually a misting system out at Chimphaven, which is interesting because because of the heat here and the warmer summers, uh, they have to cool the chimps. And so um, this is a misting system like you'd have in bars or restaurants and sidewalks and things. And apparently the chimps like that and play in the water and cool off in that. And so um, we're funding the, the work to do two of those for them. Love that. Is there anything else other than the Paul and Betty McDonald Foundation that you'd like to share, talk about? One thing that's, that's interesting that I doubt anybody watching this has seen or, or is familiar with, um, I'm president of a group in Shreveport called the ERA Club, E-R-A, the ERA Civic Club. And it was something that my mother was in also. It has been around in Shreveport since 1902. And it is a group of women. And it started out as the women of influential men. And in 1902, the women did not have a lot of voice themselves. And so these women worked together to change school curriculums, to, to do a lot of things. And um, we've survived all this time and, you know, still take on some service projects. And it's, um, 
also an opportunity for us to learn about the community. So we will bring people in to inform us on things that um, we need to know more about as, as leaders ourselves in the community. And it's a small group, less than 30 people by, by statute, um, but one that, again, is, it's important to me as president of it and something that's it's a really great group of women and something I really love. And where do y'all meet and how, if someone's listening and interested in that, like how can they gather more information? Yeah. Um, we meet different places that, you know, back in the olden days when it started, they would usually meet at the hostess's home. Uh, but most of us are too busy to, to do that right now. And so we meet at different restaurants. Uh, we meet once a month. And um, there's not much about us out there. You know, there's a lot in the archives at LSU, but um, it's not, not the kind of thing you can just apply for and be admitted to, that it's, it's more word of mouth and um, people that, that we know will fit in and that, you know, that have the same passion about Shreveport. So it's, uh, anyway, it's a great group and something that I'm always happy to spread the word about it, but, but one that is, is unknown because we don't do a lot of publicity. We don't try to. And did I miss it? Does ERA stand for anything in particular? You know, we don't know. Okay. <laughs> and I, I keep wanting to go out to the archives because new members always ask me that. And we don't know if this was the Equal Rights Amendment, given the time of women's suffrage and things in 1902, or whether because it was the turn of the century, it was a new era, or quite where the name came from. And I looked through the president's box that they pass on, hoping to find some, some glimmer. But I'm going to need to go out to the archives and find out. So it's embarrassing not to know, but uh, <laughs> but but that's how I have to answer. Well, and I'll yeah. confess, I, in all my research and just everything I've done over the last couple of years with this project, I've never come across mm -hmm. the ERA club either. So that's the yeah. first I've heard about it. So yeah. that's great. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Um, no, I you know I think that that covers it. You know that I. I'm happy to answer any more questions or go into more detail. Uh, you know, I love Shreveport. I was born here. My mother was born here. Uh, my daughter is living in the house that my grandparents built. So, you know, we're, we're very big on both historic preservation and, and sort of the sentimentality of things. And um, I love the permanence that in, in that neighborhood, a lot of the people are the same people whose grandparents and parents built the homes there. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just, it feels like home. And I, I travel a lot, as you, you may have seen, that um, I was in Antarctica last month. I'm, you know, I'm off to New York in a couple of days. I'm going to Alaska on Friday. Um, you know, so I'm all over the place. But whenever I come back to Shreveport, I'm always home. And I have another home in Massachusetts, and I'm there a lot of the year, and my youngest son and his kids live there. And even though I'm there almost as much, I'm on vacation there. This is home. And um, I, have a, I keep a horse here, and so this, you know, wherever my horse is has to be home. Well, let me just ask you kind of my final question. I think we do have a bit of an inferiority complex, or some people do here too. So having someone like you who's risen to great heights, you know, what do you have any kind of advice or guidance or feedback for someone who's listening saying, you know, I'm just from Shreveport, <laughs> like I could never do that. Um, yeah. Just what do you say to someone who's kind of looking at the bigger world saying, you know, there's a glass ceiling for me? Yeah. I was very fortunate in going to Southfield School. And Southfield was right behind our house and is still a fabulous school. But the teachers there 
would not tell a student that they couldn't do something. There were rules. There are things you may not do. You know that that's you have to have that, or else it's chaos. But if you wanted to be the first whatever on the moon, they were not going to tell you you can't. And so it nurtured an imagination in all of us that we really could be anything we wanted to. And the kids in my class and the ones before and after did go on to have fabulous careers. Um, you know, people like Neil Johnson was he was a year behind me and. Um, yeah, they, they never told us we couldn't do this. So, of course, we went on to do this. And so I think that's what I would tell the others is that um, you're limited by your own expectations and your own dreams, and you can do it, you know, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't. I love that. I think we should end there. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you.